the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the dagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Wednesday the 23rd, and you're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Nicewinner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can text us, 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. Good morning, fellas. Morning. Good morning. How are we doing today? It's a little chilly out. Feels like football outside. I love today. it. Let's keep this weather for the rest of the time. We are nearing the uh, the autumn wind, as they would say. Is the that what they say? We are nearing the autumn wind. It's getting close. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. But yeah, I was walking the dog this morning. I was like, ooh, feels <laughs> like we could go out here yeah, and throw a little football around. But uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. Of course, we've got high school football coming up uh, here on Friday. Of course, also on WXDC with Berkeley Springs heading down to Petersburg. And then uh, two weeks, I guess, or a week from Saturday, we got uh, Shepherd football over on 95.9 The Big Dog. But not only is it football weather out there, Luke, it's also, football weather with soccer in action. And if you head over to our Twitter page, at EP Sports Network, had some coverage uh, from the Musselman game yesterday. That was a pretty fun one. Yeah, it really was. Uh, I'd encourage everybody to find the video. It was a 1-1 tie, and I talked about it yesterday. Uh, Musselman was 4-7-3, and three, I believe, last year. And with the new coach, um, I, I've been trying to kind of rebuild their culture. And you can see what they are doing yesterday successfully. Now, Washington jumped out to a bit of a dominant start in this game. They got their first goal off a set piece within the first 10 minutes. Uh, Johan Avarka, it ball just kind of fell to him in the box, and he was at the right place, right time, and tapped it in. It's two very conflicting styles. I like what I saw from Washington. They were good last year, really good on the ball, played a 4-3-3, and really wanted to maintain and battle with possession. Thomas Segura in their midfield, along with Jake Strauss, are two guys that held up well, two really pacey wingers on the outside, and Avarka and Landon Stull. And then they got a couple of battering rams in the middle, and Brady and Harding, their two strikers. And their back line was solid as well. First 15 minutes of the game, they dominated possession, dominated scoring chances, and frankly, I thought, man, this game might be 3-0, 4-0. But Musselman started to battle back into the game. It was a great crowd for high school soccer. You can kind of see that on the videos on Twitter as well. And they got to half, 1-0 down, came out in the second half, was just a completely different team. You know, the way that they played, I think Glaze, one of the defenders, was very good. Dominic Damasi, who scored the equalizing goal, just kind of a poacher's goal. It fell to him. It was a spark plug. Let's be honest. He was given a yellow card earlier in the game. Maybe should have been sent mm. off for some uh, some, some gamesmanship. Uh, but he played really well. Uh, Sergio Andrado had a, a tackle that saved a goal as well. and was really good as kind of a catalyst in their midfield. So Musselman just kind of came out of nowhere in the second half, won the effort battle, Swung the momentum in their favor, got the equalizer, and I hate to say it, but you know, Kinzel, one of their forwards, had two quality opportunities. Unfortunately, just just sitters one and a half volley, turned around one on one with the keeper and shot it over the bar. And then he had a completely free header. 
and missed the goal as well. One of those two goals, and Mossman might have claimed this victory, but I think both teams were happy with the draw. Uh, catching up with both coaches after the game, uh, Chandler DeHaven of Musselman and Tucker Ryan of Washington, uh, was interesting to get their perspectives of where their teams are, and the EPAC's going to be deep in soccer again this year. And here are both Musselman and Washington head coaches, uh, Chandler DeHaven and Tucker Ryan. Seemed like it was two completely different halves for you guys. Second half, the press was there, a little bit more energy, and you capitalized on that scoring chance. Um, we really talked in the locker room about challenging 50-50 balls and bringing energy. Um, that's somewhere we were, where we've been lacking in the last couple of games. So um, they found it in themselves and came out with a whole lot of energy. Um, Dom made a great goal right there. And, uh, well, talk about Dom a little bit because it seemed as though not only was he trying to win that game for you, but win the mental battle. I mean, he was had some guys rattled, but his pace and his ability to tap that one in there, talk about his impact on this game. Um, Dom always fights. He fights his butt off the whole time. Um, and he's got two goals in the last two games from that hustle. And being a sophomore, he could be a leader for some of these upperclassmen even. So. Yeah. Uh, and Coach, and lastly, this is a program that struggled a little bit in the past, but you have to say you got to be somewhat pleased with your start. you got to win a couple of draws against a very quality conference opponent. Kind of some of your early thoughts and the, the culture and the program that you're trying to build here. Um, these kids are amazing kids, and that's what it boils down to at the end of the day. They're great kids. They work hard. They ask really good questions. They want to be here. They want to win, and that's the number one thing that we needed. Very good. Kind of a tale, I think, of two different halves for you guys. You know, it's a tough place to play. I know the grass you had some slippage there. They're, they're barn as well. Uh, kind of talk about how things went right for you in the first, but maybe not so much in the second. So I think we came out, we definitely matched their energy. I thought we I thought we probably had a little bit more energy than the first half. Got that quick goal. Uh, you know, we, we stuck to the game plan in the first half. Second half came around, you know, we got a little bit tired. We're out of starter right now. Not an excuse, but we're out of starter. Um, I think they came out with some pretty good energy. You know, at the end of the day, it was just the tail of a set piece. Uh, well, I remember you guys playing with a, a back three last year. Forgive me, but it looked like today you were playing more of a 4-3-3 with the holding midfielder. And I wanted to ask you about two of those midfielders. Thomas, I thought, played like a true number 10, was the engineer in front of a lot of what you guys did in the attacking third. And your number nine well, he played as more of a holding midfielder, but number nine as well. It seemed as though they were pretty pivotal, one more so defensively and the other offensively, and what you guys were able to create today. Oh, yeah. Is, that's that's kind of our game plan. You know, we're very big on positionality. We're very big on, unfortunately, we're a possession team. This field doesn't exactly complement possession teams. But I think that they did really well. Tommy played his heart out. Every single player on that, every single person who played in the game played their heart out. I couldn't be happier with him. Um, and your thoughts early on in the season, two games in the books so far, uh, pretty dominant win. And then today, uh, a tough draw against a conference opponent. Kind of your thoughts of where things are uh, with the team through the first two matches of the season. I think we're looking good. Obviously, we'd like to come out and win and won today. Um, I think it's just kind of back to the back to the books, trying to figure out what we can change, figure out what we can do to go forward. I'm very I'm I'm looking forward to this season. I think that I think it's going to end up being pretty good. All right. And that was Musselman head soccer coach Chandler DeHaven, and then the voice you just heard was Washington head coach Tucker Ryan. After their one-one draw yesterday, if you head over to our Twitter page at EP Sports Network, you can see uh, the highlights or the play-by-play -play highlights, and also the uh, some video highlights of a couple of the goals and some of the celebrations that were pretty fun <laughs> to watch. It looked like the the not just the product on the field was fun, but it looked like it was a good atmosphere altogether. It was people there making a lot of noise. 
you know, Musselman's crowd really trying to will them into that game to start the second half. And then when it was clear that they were 1-0 down, but they are coming out of the locker room with a ton of fight, the crowd really got behind them. And again, it was a Musselman team that really fed off the energy. Really your classic high school soccer team. A lot of route one balls, you know, try to play through the middle of the pitch, try to use their pace and, and try to take on defenders one-on-one as opposed to a Washington team that was willing to use the the, the outside of the pitch and, and, and build possession. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch those teams long term. I'm still trying to get a handle on what the conference looks like from top to bottom. I think it's safe to say that Spring Mills, who made it to the state championship game last year and returned at least two of the Briggses, uh, are, are the favorite. But you're still looking to see who that number two team could be. I know Hedgesville maybe has taken a little bit of a step down from last year, but I mean, different styles of play and different ways that these teams can win games. It's going to be fun to watch them the rest of the season. And boys soccer, girls soccer is going to be a ton of fun as well because if you go over to the Martinsburg Journal today, Musselman and Washington played in girls soccer. Very different game. Rick Kozlowski wrote that article. Washington girls beat Musselman 10-0. And uh, Journey Vrobel, who's going to be kicking for the football team, scored five goals in that game. Wow. Probably one of the best, if not the best, strikers in the state in girls soccer. So, you know, maybe Washington is going to make their stamp as the definitive team to beat in girls soccer. But boys soccer, for the time being, uh, with the exception of maybe Spring Mills, a little bit further from the pack, is wide open. What do you think, Park? You a soccer guy at all? Now, I played soccer when I was a kid up till sixth grade, and then I stopped playing. After that point, I've kind of, I kind of grew a little distant from the sport. But I, I've noted I like a lot of things about it. It's you can appreciate the the back and forth with it, the different types of formations, the alignments that you go through with it. And it, it's interesting seeing what we've gauged from last year from the soccer in the area to this year in the soccer in the area. It, I'm interested to see the biggest thing probably who's kind of like how we've mentioned how who's going to be that number two team behind Martinsburg and football idealistically, who's going to be that number two team behind Spring Mills on the soccer side on the men's. I think that battle is going to be really tough. From what we gauged, Musselman looks like they're really, really improved from last year. And it's going to be an exciting race once again that it'll be that we'll have to follow as well is in the soccer side of things. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I've tried to grow more with it, like to, in, an inter- in an international scene, because I, I just I don't know. I just haven't got like I watch the World Cup when that comes on. But like if if I'm just like if there's like Premier League soccer going on on mm-hmm. a Sunday, like two in the afternoon i don't know i'm i'm just i just can't get into it that deep is my thing i don't well, know i think luke and i can send you some copa 90 videos from back oh, in the yeah. day that got uh i know got me hooked oh, into yeah. uh, a couple of different kind of random teams that i uh i don't follow as much anymore but keep an eye on every once in a while and it is the, i think the fan culture is the, is the most fun part and that's why i wanted to say it looked like it was a real fun uh fan atmosphere at Mossman because that's what makes it as fun as it is i think you know, it's funny. I, uh, I'm in a group chat with a bunch of broadcaster friends of mine from college, and I sent some of the videos because they're kind of curious to see what high school soccer is like. And a friend of mine who's from Portsmouth, England, um, and has done Premier League matches on the radio and uh, also does some lower league stuff as well, said he just loved how, uh, and he doesn't mean this in an insulting way, Musselman fans, quaint the ground was. <laughs> you know, the one stand, the people going nuts. You know, grass pitch that was dedicated pretty much to soccer. Yeah. And he, he got a kick out of that. It kind of reminded him of some non-league sides over in England. So, you know, it, it's something that you don't... It, soccer is a sport that if you don't understand it, you don't have to. It's just if the ball goes in the net and they're not offside, it's a goal. 
so you can go and and show up and just support your team and have some fun like the Musselman fans were doing and try to embrace some some local sports. It's a little bit, you know, for those of you out there that are high school football fans, make it a little bit of an appetizer to your high school football yeah. team. Give five bucks to your high school, you know, maybe buy some concessions, sit in the stands and enjoy watching some uh, a, a different pace of play. And that game yesterday, even though it was a 1-1 draw, and I'm sure, you know, the, the anti-soccer contingency is, oh, it's a tie. You know, it, it was a really, really fun game to watch. And I think everybody that was there left the game entertained. You can text us, 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. If you're a Panhandle Sports uh, soccer fan out there, text us in your thoughts on some of the teams this year. How do you think the uh, Panhandle is going to shake out? 304-263-4321. When we come back, we'll talk about this weird Orioles news cycle that's starting to happen kind of out of nowhere, uh, which I hope doesn't start to affect their play out on the field. Then after our bottom of the hour break, uh, we'll start to break down these high school football week one matchups around the panhandle. But uh, again, Texas 304-263-4321. We'll be back on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Of course, we are your home for Baltimore Orioles baseball. They took the loss last night, 6-3 to to the Blue Jays, and they have their first pitch tonight at 7.05. If you want, we can uh, talk about the game uh, a little bit here. But what I do want to talk about is John Angelos. Now, he has kind of been a thorn in Orioles fan sides for a long time now. But here in the last couple of weeks, he's come out with some weird quotes and a couple of weird articles coming out about Camden Yards that really have Orioles fans kind of on the back foot right now. And the main quote that's been around is about him <clears throat> wanting to keep or about him trying to keep this young core that everybody's so fond of in Baltimore. And he said, uh, let's say we sat down and showed you the financials for the Orioles. You will qu quickly see that when people talk about giving their player $200 million, that player $150 million, we would be so financially underwater that you'd have to raise the prices massively. So Orioles fans immediately started thinking, well, that means he's not going to pay any of these guys, not going to pay Adley, he's not going to pay Gunner, he's not going to pay anybody, right? And that this is just a flash in the pan, so, you know, think of it fondly as you can. But how do you guys look at it? Do you look at it that way? Do you think this Orioles group is just going to be gone, or do you think it's going to end up being $150 for a standing room at Camden Yards? <laughs> well, here's what I say to that, and that is, let's not gloss over the first part of what he said in that quote, which is, if you look at the Orioles' finances, let's see him. Let's let's see what your budget is, because people have been on their own trying to calculate exactly what the gross revenue and the gross earnings of this team is. If you look at their revenue sharing agreement with Major League Baseball, it's one hundred and ten mm -hmm. million dollars. Their national television revenue is 60. Uh, their mass and deal is 40 game day sales. They make about 80 million dollars a year. Y you add most of that up and that's about three hundred twenty million dollars. And that's just what we know about what is reported on. And we know that their payroll is 28th of 30 in Major League Baseball. They're only paying $70 million in players. You know, we know for a fact, some people have estimated that the gross revenue of the Orioles last season when they weren't any good, that's not this year where they're getting more attendance and more money is being spent at the games, was upwards of $60 million. You know, so that was just $60 million in raw profit that the Angeloses are just able to keep instead of putting that back into the team. You know, the fans, are for the time being, you want to see all these guys resign. And don't get me wrong, 
But the way he's talking about this right now before a single extension has been signed is that they're not going to re-sign anybody. And nobody in Orioles camp has the expectation that every single person on this roster, Grayson Rodriguez, is going to be given $200 million along with Gunnar Henderson, along with Adley Rushman, along with Jackson Holiday. But some of them, you know, the way he's talking makes it sound like this entire core is going to be kicked to the curb by the time their contracts expire. And that's just not how Major League Baseball. We've seen it with the Pirates for the last couple of years. People are so sick and tired of Bob Nutting, who's one of the top 10 richest owners in baseball, crying poor about the Pirates payroll. You know, you need to spend money to maintain competitive. It's capitalism. It's economics. Yeah, you spend re- money to make money. You re-sign these players. You continue to win games. People continue to buy tickets. You continue to get more money from TV revenue and jersey sales and everything sales. That's how this works. And John Angelos, I don't know why, and this is a problem that's not going to come up for a couple of years because all of these guys are still in their rookie contracts, and then they go through arbitration, why he's even talking about this right now. You're in the midst of the best season you've had since 2016, one of the best regular seasons you've had of all time, and for whatever reason, Angelus has to spend and grab the spotlight, put it on himself for all the wrong reasons, and completely take away from what this product has been for the Orioles. Orioles fans are having the time of their lives right now, but they're scared to death that they're not going to play in Camden Yards next year, and they're scared to death that their entire core is going to be traded away for a cow and magic beans. Well, let's be honest here. The Orioles were the doormat of baseball for numerous of years like a decade for a decade they were the doormat of baseball and now they've finally ascended and you know what market had this similar situation the owner did the smart thing and invested into this team the san diego padres they were the doormat of baseball for a long long time now they're not having the season they wanted to this year granted but they went out invested into the team they paid guys like fernando tatis jr xander bogarts they went out and grabbed these type of guys you darvish gave him a fat contract this is the same thing you got to do here. The The Orioles have the chance to really do things here. Do, do you see what the Atlanta Braves have done keeping all their guys? You got Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna Jr. They're trading for guys like Sean Murphy. You need to do that. What, why are we not doing that? It's that that's it, it makes me scratch my head. The Angelos family made over $66 million by themselves this past calendar year why why are we saying this at this point of the year you're deflating a fan base that this just no no they're the, it's they're they're in the fourth most amount of money across the entire major league baseball last year and they're also raising ticket prices as well at the same time before the comment was made we're going to raise them again so i it it makes you scratch your head it's these type of situations where it's like is bad ownership going to cost your window of winning even smaller than what it potentially could be when you could have the opportunity to have a 10, 15 year window where you're competing for a world series every single year. Well, that's he, the worry. Well, he continues to make it and a place that people aren't going to want to go play or play for because of how he acts year in and year out. And then like you kind of talked about there at the end uh, of your time there, Luke about uh, Camden yards. I mean, I'm reading here. I haven't gone through the whole order article yet, uh, but the headline is Orioles managing partner, John Angelos and the Maryland stadium authority are still far apart on a lease deal for Camden yards. But the two sides are also far apart on potential renovations to the ballpark area. So, I mean, where are they going to play? They're going to play in Hagerstown. They're going to wait until that stadium's built and ready to go. But uh, I mean, it's just, you you hate to see this kind of stuff start to bubble up, which it ends up being kind of typical Baltimore Orioles fashion when they're having a good season. Then this, this stuff starts to 
fizzle through. Yeah, it, and it's just, you know what gets you more money that you can spend on more players? Playoff games. If you sell out Camden Yards for a playoff game, you make more money. You can only do that if you have good players. What makes you more money? Selling your players all-star jerseys. Mm-hmm. You only have multiple all-stars. You got if the you, most expensive beer in the league. <laughs> if you keep Literally. Yeah. If you keep good players. It's, it's simple economics. I mean, it, it, it's simple. It, there's no reason for him to be saying these things right now other than he's just a spoiled brat in the spotlight. It drives me up the wall that he would say things like that and detract away from a fantastic season that the Orioles are having right now and put that seed of doubt and trepidation trepidation in Orioles fans' minds that what they're experiencing right now is fleeting, even though you've got a fantastic core right now and the best farm system in baseball on the way and can turn this team into a juggernaut that prints money. But we're having this conversation right now instead of any of those conversations because he's a moron and says this stuff. There's no reason for this to happen. And if, one of the best fan bases in baseball absolutely. that's going to spend yeah. that money. If and you the can't thing, make the money, sell the team. Right. Yeah. The thing. Somebody t- else will. And the thing too, it's just it makes me think when we go back to the trade deadline, it's that type of thing. It's you have the opportunity to maybe go after somebody to improve the roster. You're bringing Jack Flaherty, but it's oh, we got to keep the farm system intact. Oh, we got to keep our finances straight. Go after a championship. And you know what? If you win the World Series this year. You know how much money you're going to get from that? Um, a massive load of money. You're I mean, go- if you want a playoff series, if you get seven playoff games at Camden Yards, sellouts, and you can charge a lot more than and six bucks. And they're going to sell yeah. out. Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. 100%. You, and you don't charge six bucks for bleacher seats in the playoffs. You know, you're $40, 50 $60, and those people are in there buying Orioles postseason T-shirts, and they're in there buying concession stands. If you want a playoff series, then you can not just sell ALDS T-shirts. You can sell ALCS T-shirts, World Series T-shirts. And this is all kind of money that you can make if you continue to invest in your team and buy and keep your good players. Look at where the Pirates were. I mean, they with a cheap roster, wanted to compete, and, and they got to the postseason, but they did not invest any of that money in their club. McCutcheon left. Marte left. Garrett Cole left, Charlie Morton left, and they crumbled to the ground because of it, and they had to start from scratch. As opposed to if they invested money in a portion of that core, they would have maintained their success, maintained their revenue stream. Bob Nutting would be a richer man right now than he is right now. Instead, they they blew it all away because these short-sighted owners. It, it, It drives me up the wall. Now, the worry I have to play devil's advocate in this situation here the core guys, so let's just say that's Adley Rutschman, that's Gunnar Henderson, that's Jackson Holiday when he gets called up. I'd say those three guys are really the core of the Orioles team right now. Is it the other guys he's talking about, like a Hessen Kirsad who's yet to be called up? I don't in think Austin anybody Hayes, knows what he's talking about. Which that's the worry. Is is he talking about guys like Westberg, Kirsad, and Austin Hayes or Santon there? Or Jorge Mateo, although I kind of wish they would have traded Jorge Mateo at this point. But, <laughs> or is it, are you throwing all these guys into the farm here? Or is it just Adley Rutschman's our guy and everybody else could be expendable at some point if we don't make the finances? That's the worry with this conversation, I think. Because, again, you've got, you've got the opportunity to really be the force in baseball for the next decade and a half with the roster you have right now. If you are going to soil that, sell everything off, trade all these players that is an idiotic and a fireable thing if you were to have that and that's i would that's a screaming a sell the team type of thing if and the fan base would revolt it would be it would be bad it would be really bad if it gets to that point but 
Hopefully, hopefully it's just him putting his foot in his mouth and this gets resolved. I want to say one thing really quickly. When the Angelos has bought the Orioles in the 90s, they bought them for $170 million. Right now, the team is worth $1.7 billion. Mm. If they sold it, it would probably be more upwards of $2 billion. Yeah. So don't I, I'm not going to listen to him sing, can you spare a dime? I mean, get, get over yourself. Yeah, they've made a little bit of money, yeah. I'd say. Well... Judging by uh, Ed Reed's first pitch at the game yesterday, they should sign him. My goodness, he threw it through the mascot's glove. It's pretty cool to watch. But uh, they played tonight, game two of their series against the Blue Jays at Camden Yards, of all places. Uh, at 7.05, we'll have it right here on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. And again, unfortunately, it took the loss last night 6-3. to three. But we'll hit this break. And coming up uh, after the break, we'll start breaking down some of these EPAC, these Panhandle football First round or first week playoff or what am I talking about? First week <laughs> regular football season. regular season games. My goodness, you got postseason on the brain. I do got postseason on the brain. We're talking uh, Orioles and stuff. I don't know. My brain's all jumbled up. But we'll do that after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Icewinner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can text us 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. If you head over to our Twitter page at EP Sports Network, you can find our week one Panhandle News Network Sports Power Rankings. Of course, the Bulldogs at number one, Eagles at number two, Musselman at number three, Cougars at number four. Uh, Spring Mills at number five and Washington at number six. And everybody is in action, I believe, this coming Friday. And let's start with our kind of panhandle extended with Berkeley Springs. Now, this game two years ago uh, was the game that kept them out of the playoffs. If they wouldn't, if they would have scored one more time in the in overtime, I think that final score was like 56 to 60 or something crazy like that. If they scored overtime, they probably make the playoffs. But Berkeley Springs heading down the road to Petersburg. That'll be over on 92.9 WXDC. Parker Stone on the call. And Parker, do you think the Tribe have any kind of chance to kind of shock the state and get a first-week win under new coach Wes Eddy? It'll be tough. I, I'll be blunt with it. It'll be tough to try and win at Petersburg with what you have right now. It's a new system being put in place, new things to be learned. From what I've heard from over in the Morgan County area, the offensive line is still trying to piece things together. Aiden Kane's been looking solid at quarterback, and the run game, I think, is the another big concern for this team if they're able to run the ball effectively. They played Petersburg pretty well, out of the teams they played last season, they lost that game 54-28. to So it was one of their highest scoring games of the season for them. But there's, there's the opportunity, too, if they're able to <laughs> run the ball effectively, use clock management to their effectiveness, and do well. And what I was told was the player that was really the thorn in the side of that game for Berkeley Springs against Petersburg last year, he is now graduated. Bumby so Van Meter. Bumby Van Meter. Bumby Van Meter is now graduated. <laughs> now, Rohrbaugh still back in their backfield. He's a junior, but Van Meter was their guy. Bumby, and, man. And, and Bumby, Bumby's, Bumby's First gone. First team all name right there. That's it's funny. Um, when he played for the Legion team, his name's William Van Meter. But, you know, I'm calling him William and then someone tapped my shoulder between innings. You can call him Bumby. And I said, like, I want to make sure. I well, want to make sure. When I was doing Berkeley Springs before, Parker took it over two years ago. Um, there was a kid on the name. I was on the roster right on Max, Max Preps and everything. 
Ozzy Osbourne, right? So <laughs> I didn't boy. think anything of it. Didn't think to go down and talk to coach and be like, hey, is this name right? All season long, called him Ozzy Osbourne. I can't remember his real name now, but didn't find out until he's got his name called on senior night, walking across the field. <laughs> oh, I'm on Ozzie. the air on the pregame show being like, oh, my goodness, that isn't his name. Old Oswald. Anyway, anyways. Oh, uh, Shout out to Osbourne one time. So anyways, the tribe heading down to uh, Petersburg. What, uh, what should people expect out of this one, you think? Um, I think the biggest thing that you can look for this game would be we're looking for growth out of this team. I think this is a big step here. We need to see that, first of all, the Tribe can form somewhat of a defense because that was a problem last year. Allowing 49 points a game, you're not going to win games doing that. They need to show something on defense and not have teams score upwards of 50-plus points in the majority of their games. And maybe the offense to show some strides, I think. There's weapons in the offense still without Gavin Young. You've got... Holden Gerson, who's solid. You've got Adam Ripien, who looked really good towards the stretch and the end of last year. And there's pieces there. Duvall, it was, I'm really looking for Duvall to grow as a runner because he really came into that role late last year. If he's able to grow and they have pieces behind him as well to help alleviate the backfield, I think there's the opportunity. But just things need to be in sync with Aiden Kane and the receivers if they're able to pass the ball effectively for this game. And if they're able to do it, it's a great win for the Tribe, too. If West Eddie's able to come in, start 1-0, and and get this team to where they need to be, it's the possibility. But if, if you were to ask me who would you pick in this game if you didn't have a dog in the fight, probably Petersburg at the jump. But there there are things that you look into at Petersburg, a playoff team last year. But mm-hmm. two years ago, again, they were 3-6. and six. So there's, there's the opportunity that Petersburg could be down and – Berkeley could have the chance to get the win here, but it's on the road. That's could be a difficult thing for a first year head coach or well, a first time head coach with a new school rather going into that environment for that. But I think it should be competitive at least as long as there's a defensive alignment there. If Paul Price's defense shows that it's grown and they can get some stops when needed, I think there's the opportunity for that. But it biggest thing again, if they show competitiveness and growth in this game, I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. So when they played their first game a couple years ago, we stopped at this bar or this grill called uh, Third Base, Third Base Sports. So if you get there a little early, go stop there. Free plug for Third Base Sports in Petersburg, West Virginia on Panhandle Sports Live. But continuing on through the docket, uh, let's go with Berkeley Springs' previous coach, Terry Ray, the uh, Patriots, taking on Page County. So I think a lot of people are going to have a little bit of an eye on this game just to see what Washington can do, of course, with uh, Terry Ray. This is his first game, first season. And just judging by body language and camaraderie type of teammate stuff that we saw, or at least that I saw at the uh, EPAC Media Day that Home Team Sports put on last week, I think this team is loose. It looks like they're ready to have some fun, and I think they're going to shock some people against Page County. Yeah, I think so, and especially since it's a Page County team that also is coming off a bit of a struggling season in 2022 where they won just three games. They were 3-7. and seven. Uh, Washington, like you said, they're going to punch the people in the mouth. We're expecting Ryan Went to be the guy to get the, the snaps at quarterback, but Holmes can go as well. Javon and Tavon Jones, we're excited to see what their impact is going to be early along with Terry Ray the third. I mean, they've got offensive skill players, and we're waiting to see them turn Brock Meadows loose at tight end. Big offensive and defensive line with Kojo and John John Brewster. So, you know, I expect this game to be a high-scoring affair, set the tempo for Washington, tell us a lot about them. If they dominate Page, that's going to be a week one statement. If they squeak by this game, Washington's in a really good place. If Washington gets blown out in this game, well, maybe the, the rebuild needs another season before we figure out where things are at. It's always tough to tell with out-of-state teams, but I've, like you said, I've got a vested interest in this game because I think Washington's going to surprise some people week one. 
Give me the Pats by 10. Oh, Hello. Pats by 10 going 1-0 under Terry Ray, huh? I'm here for it. Give me the Pats by 10. Yeah, I'd like to see that. That'd be a fun one. Now let's look at uh, an EPAC matchup for week one. It's Spring Mills and Jefferson. So that's where the controversy really came from our EPAC power rankings. Again, we have Musselman at three. Jefferson at four, Spring Mills at five. So Spring Mills, I think they have a lot of, I don't want to say uh, hype to live up to. I know a lot of people, uh, they have a lot of expectations to try and live up to, I think, this year. Because uh, like we talked about during that EPEC Media Day, the new school narrative is kind of out now, right? You should be able to have a little bit of a culture where you can start winning games and start winning them consistently and start winning that big game, which they really weren't able to do last year. But what do you think about this Jefferson Spring Mills matchup? Weird game for Jefferson because this they had a below 500 record at home last year. They were 2-3, and three, so they want to defend their home turf. Both teams are going to try to establish the run uh, with Herrick Delgado and obviously Roper for, for Jefferson. But, you know, Coach Hunter would be the first to remind you, well, that every high school team wants to establish the run. You know, t- people are taking for granted the depth they have at wide receiver. Who's their number two pass catcher going to be this year? Is it going to be Goins at the tight end position? Is it going to be Tony Allen? Are they going to be able to get Keyshawn Robinson? I mean, he's the kind of guy that needs 12 or 15 touches a game. How are you going to get it to him? You know, carries, jet sweeps, Tavon taps screens and taking shots down the field uh, for spring mills you know you mentioned anderson eaton they want to run the ball well what's keon mills's role going to be is that offensive line that's been together for a while now able to take that next step and them in general you know it's going to be interesting to see what coach law and coach hessen have done law with the offense and hessen with the defense at three three five uh can they get after the quarterback i think the answer is going to be yes so this is going to be a game i'm, I'm going to jinx this so sorry uh-huh. I think it's going to be a quick moving game because both teams are going to try to run the ball so mm-hmm. much uh, and both teams are going to try to establish their uh, the athletes on defense and try to make those big plays for TFLs early. And this is going to be a, a, a really fun game. Well, no part to counter that point. I mean, Coach Hunter during media day, I mean, he said uh, to, I think it was Luke's question yeah. about them running the ball, that uh, they why does everybody think they're going to run the ball so much? Do you think he's going to try and counter that maybe – Try and start the game off by throwing it a ton? I think there's going to be a mix of both for Coach Hunter and the Cougars. I think they're going to try and get the ball to Keyshawn Robinson in any chance they get, whether that's going to be out of the backfield, whether mm-hmm. they're going to throw him screen passes and try and let him get loose. But the guy to watch out for, Tony Allen, for Jefferson. They've talked up about this guy being a weapon to replace what was the two out of the three combo of arguably the best wide receiver trio in the state last year in Robinson, Fritz, and Pollard. Watch out for Tony Allen to be a big factor in why the Cougars win this game by a touchdown. Keep ripping through it here before we got to get to this last break. Musselman and Handley. Uh, Musselman taking on the team from down at Winchester, Virginia way. Musselman, of course, uh, with that new quarterback, Eli Fleming coming through. Uh, a lot of questions around him. See if he can handle EPAC football. Musselman is always that team that's kind of, you know, little brother, if you will, to Martinsburg. So can this be the season that the Appleman finally take that big step forward? I hope so. I think this is a rebuilding Hanley team. They're leading rusher and their quarterback from last season. In fact, I think their top three rushers were all seniors. So now with that being said, Musselman lost a lot, but they reloaded. And Hanley could have done the same thing, so they don't want to take him for granted. Uh, but you're right. It's going to be what is their run to pass distribution because they might throw the ball more than any other team in the panhandle. You know, who is their leading rusher going to be? Who's going to lead that team in targets that has Logan Shelton and Braden Miller? And obviously we've talked about flexing out Wollaston to the tight end position. High expectations for Musselman. They got a lot of second-place votes in our preseason poll, and I think Fleming and Wollaston had a lot to do with that. So can they flex their muscles against Hanley week one? 
that's uh, certainly going to be a point of discussion. You know, there's no easy first week games because you really don't know what to expect with either team. Um, but I'm excited to see, again, what Fleming looks like throwing the ball and who the other offensive weapons around him are going to be. John Hanley hasn't had a losing record since I was in high school, so that's that's a thing to look you for. You act like that wasn't six years <laughs> ago. <laughs> that like a week and a half well, ago? Was grant, granted, that was about six years ago, but that's a, it's a team that's been consistently good around that northern part of Virginia. They're a solid team to look for. They were 7-4 and four last year. And they were in the well. They weren't able to win a playoff game. Looking at it right now, they lost to Loudon Cali, Loudon Cali, Loudon County. County. Say that three times fast. But I feel like this might be a this might be a sleeper game that might be it might be a little bit closer than what a lot of people expect. Now looking at it, but I feel like Musselman is still able to get the win here. But it could be a little bit maybe closer than what people may expect. All right, two more Hedgesville Wheeling Park. Of course, Hedgesville has I think the most hype out of anybody, especially in the Panhandle, but maybe even in the state. Coming into the season with some big new additions, that kind of makes their game a little bit more expansive on both sides of the ball. They're taking on Wheeling Park, who, of course, perennial uh, great program here across the state of West Virginia. So how do you think Hedgesville is going to work against a tough week one opponent? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Joe Bricado picked this as his Metro News game of the week. Wheeling Park is another team that lost their quarterback in Brett Phillips, and people expect them to take a game, you know, a season off. Uh, but you talked to, to Coach Doc, and he kind of joked about this last year as well. Their backup quarterback, Aiden Davis, he called him the best backup in the state just because that's how good both of his quarterbacks were. So they're not really skipping a beat. Are the Patriots with Michael Davis as well at wide receiver to step into the role of Jeray Hawkins, who gave uh, Musselman some problems last year. Hedgesville, all I'll say for now is we're expecting them to do some things that will surprise some people in this game. Uh, and try to make a statement on the road. It's always tough driving four hours to the island, uh, but this is the kind of schedule that Coach Faircloth wanted to play to battle test his team that's going to have athletes all over the field. What's Gavin Young going to do in his debut? Is Faircloth able to dominate the line of scrimmage? What's Aiden Fleming going to be like flying around? Because some of his highlights just look visceral that mm -hmm. you see on Twitter, some of the hits that he's been putting on in these preseason games. So, you know, while you know the, the, the people around the state might favor Wheeling Park in this game because of their pedigree, I don't know, man. I think Musselman's going to be a very tough team to beat because they're playing with something special and they feel like it's their year. This this is the game where I'm the most torn on, and I think this is the this is one of the best games of the week coming up. This could be an opening round playoff matchup if things fall ways for some teams. These are two playoff quality teams. Park hasn't missed the playoffs since 2010. It, this is going to be a tough one, and I've said it before. If Hedgesville finds a way to win this game, I think the ceiling is nine and one. I really do. This is a, this is going to be a really good Wheeling Park team traveling up to the island. I favor Park in this game. Looking at it, just for the travel time, just to it's it's the question of is Hedgesville ready for this moment? And I don't know if they are. If I'm going to be completely honest with you, it's a lot of pressure going on, Coach Faircloth and that team. I don't know. And if you look down the schedule, I think there's wins they could buy later down the road too i think kaiser is a team they can beat i think hampshire is a team they'll dominate and i think herbert hoover is a team that they could come up with the win against although hoover is a really great team out of double a i i would say park by a field goal is where i'm leaning on this one then finally the premier game martinsburg taking their game internationally to take on clarkson north do the bulldogs have what it takes to take on this team from canada well, I invite everybody to tune into the game. Obviously, this Saturday, it's going to be at 1 o'clock. Our pregame coverage will begin at noon right here 
uh, exclusive radio coverage of that Ironton Football Classic. But also on Friday's show, we're going to be hearing from their head coach, Coach Justanis, who played in the CFL and talked about you know the program that they're building there at Clarkson North and what they've become. They've got some guys on this team that are some dudes. Lucas Weir is a wide receiver at 170 pounds. I posted a video on Twitter yesterday of him repping twice uh, a bench press of 240. Oof. Their entire offensive line is over six feet tall, close to 300 pounds. Noah Stanley is a D- Division One product. Tamarley Smith, a Division One product. So it's a daunting task for Martinsburg to play them. But in talking with Coach Justanis, he's you know has some concerns about the speed that Martinsburg has. They've got some speed on the outside. They've got two very capable quarterbacks. Murphy Clement will take the snaps, but Coy Fagan's also going to line up all over the field, running back maybe in the slot. I mean, they have the athletes to stand toe-to-toe with the premier high school football program, American Rules High School Football Program in Canada. We could talk about that later on in the week, too. Um, and I think it's going to be exciting. And uh, again, you can listen to it here on Saturday. I have no idea which way the ball is going to bounce in this one because it's so hard to predict. But both teams have multiple Division One prospects. Both teams have a desire to win their first game of the season. And it's going to be some pretty high-level football. This, this is a tough one to call as well because you see the pieces that Martinsburg has. Clements, a guy that can take it to the house on any given opportunity to see what Coy Fagan's going to do in multiple positions this upcoming season is going to be fun to watch as well. And then the defensive line, you got guys like Rashad Reed, Xerxes Yancey as well. There's there's a lot of great pieces on that Martinsburg team, but you look at Clarkson North, they bring that same type of level of competition to the Bulldogs. And you look at their record, they're maybe not right there for Clarkson North, but it's a team that has a lot of promise, a lot of great players on it too. This, this one... I, I will hold off from calling a winner on this one, and I, I know that might not make a lot of people happy not calling the winner on this one, but it's it's a tough one to call because we kind of don't have the full playbook on Clarkson North is where I'm leaning on this one. We have to see what they want to do, what they call, what are they leaning towards with their scheme and how they operate on offense and defense, but if it's going to be a tough out for anybody to take out Martinsburg, and if, again, if the Bulldogs are able to pull off three out of the first four games of their tough out-of-conference schedule, then, again, they're probably world beaters and a real good chance to win the state title again. Boom. And we lunge across the line like Kari Richardson right there. What you got on that, boys? That's <laughs> a pretty go. quick rundown of all the games. You ain't going to get that anywhere else right Absolutely. here, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. Panhandle Sports Live. You can text us, 304-263-4321. Tweet us at EP Sports Network. We'll step aside one final time, come back, get Parker's picks, and wrap things up on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Gertrude Building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. So, let's talk about Dinger Tuesday because we need to have a redo because Julio Rodriguez didn't play yesterday. So, we have to... all your pushes. I, it's, been, it's been a weird week it's for pushes. Jinx. I know, I you're a mush I, now. I don't know what's going on with the pushes this week. So, But we did go... We split our bonus picks. The Reds did pull off the upset over the Angels 4-3, to three, but the Padres, in typical Padres fashion, weren't able to capitalize, and they beat the Mar- they get beat by the Marlins 3 to nothing. But we'll go back. We'll go. Well, I guess we'll do a rendition of a way back Wednesday. So that way we can get a dinger Tuesday pick on a Wednesday. 
I think I'm going to go with Austin Riley getting a home run today. We'll go. We'll go with Austin Riley getting a home run against the Mets. I've really liked what Austin Riley's done this season, especially in the month of August. So, I'll take Austin Riley getting a home run today as the uh, makeup for Dinger Tuesday. We'll go from there, and then for today's picks, I'm taking to I'm taking the lock for today. Now, th- these will be Wednesday's picks. The uh, home run pick will be the makeup for Dinger Tuesday. I'm taking the Mariners on the run line today at minus one and a half because the White Sox. I don't know if you guys have seen, but they are imploding. They just fired their uh, vice president and their general manager. So they're they're in a bad spot right now. They're going to be a seller dweller in baseball for a while. I think that the Mariners are able to beat them, and the Mariners are on a hot streak right now too. I think the Mariners beat them and cover the run line spread. I'm taking the Nats today to beat the Yankees too. I think it continues to crumble for the Yankees. When The last time the Yankees lost this many games, you know, how the, you know who had the number one song in the nation? <laughs> Olivia, Olivia Newton-John, God rest her soul, but she had the number one song in the nation. Nineteen passed away? Yeah, Olivia Newton-John. passed away? It was a few months ago. Oh. Yeah, she passed away. Well, dang. All right, never mind. Well, I think, well, I think it continues for the Yankees. The snowball gets bigger. Besides, they have Luis Severino pitching, and we know what uh, he tends to do sometimes when he pitches. So I'm taking the Nationals to get the win in New York, and I'm taking the Dodgers to get the win over the Guardians as well in Cleveland. That's today's picks. Mariners on the run line, Nats get the win over the Yankees, the Dodgers get the win over the Guardians, and the makeup pick for Dinger Tuesday, Austin Riley hits a home run against the Mets. She passed away almost exactly a year ago. Yeah. Has it been a year ago? August 8th, 2022. Wow. Forgot about it. Well, I guess I either forgot about it or didn't realize it. Well, rip rip to the goat. There you go. It'll be a neat job. We can always get in touch with us, 304-263-4321. Tweet us. At EP Sports Network, what else do you guys want to talk about while we still got the chance? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> more, uh, more Mountaineer coverage over at WVMetroNews.com. We're less than uh, two weeks away from that game against Penn State, and obviously we'll have the game day coverage here on uh, WVPM and WCST. Some funny tape you heard of the sports this morning with Kyle Wiggs about Ollie Straw, about how unique of a punter he is. He can kick with both feet. He kicks knuckleballs, all kinds of stuff. You know, it, it's, it's going to be sh- shocking when he's the best player, but, you know. What is it? Uh, talk, get a little Madden talk in while I got the chance. What is it with this Madden bug I saw uh, where all the Dolphins players, none of their names that have the letter I in them, the I is missing in all their names? Interesting. I've never seen that. See that one? Interesting. Sounds like the Illuminati to me. Yeah. You gotten your Ronnie Brown card yet? I mean, he doesn't have one, sadly. I, if he, Hopefully he ends up getting one at some point. Well, but. let me ask you guys this. How much, with all this unbelievable pub that Tyson's getting in these last couple of days, right? I mean, he's everywhere. Everyone's talking about Tyson. Is that enough in itself? I mean, yes, he's also played great on the field. Don't get me wrong. But is that enough in itself for him to, I mean, potentially be that third quarterback? If not, that second quarterback? Well, I will say that I, as much as I hate the state of Chicago, it's a good sports town. Yeah. And a lot of the fans, you know, social media-wise, and, and are getting on and banging the drum because they don't want Nathan Peterman. Mm-hmm. So that's enough for a general manager or a front office person to see that kind of buzz. Maybe not necessarily from national news, but from their fans wanting it to say that, you know, I don't know what Chicago's going to be this year, but they think Justin Fields is their guy. Why not throw a bone to the fan base and buy a lottery ticket and making him a rostered quarterback? I mean, we know he's going to be on a practice squad no matter what, but I, yeah, I could see it, it certainly working in Tyson's favor. He will make the 53-man roster. That's oh. my prediction for well. you. And I also wanted to throw this out here since we're running out of time. We had U.S. history yesterday, guys. Alaga Tasaga Collins becomes the first woman ever to win a world discus title. Let's go. Big go. big moment for the uh, world games that are going USA. on right now. USA. Yeah, and like I said, Shakari Richardson, she's just dominating everyone. It's not even fair.
Yeah, no, it's, it's unreal. That it's been a great performance right now for the U.S. and the World Games. So. I want to know what it feels like to run that fast for just like <laughs> 10 minutes. Let me just run around a track, you know? I mean, I used to run, but I wasn't. Oh, that here. Okay. I was going to say, no. here Back we go. Not, not, nowhere close. <laughs> I was not a sprinter at all. <laughs> well, if you missed any of the show, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. Panhandle Live is next, which Luke will be uh, back on the air right at the beginning of the show because he was out on location yesterday. But uh, yeah, that does for us. Have a good one. Talk to you tomorrow. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.